on an all-new Buffy. Like he's in a human form? This is serious. They'll take you away. No one is safe from the search for the key. I'm the key, and everyone around me suffers and dies. The first of our final four episodes, an all-new Buffy. <laughs> Welcome to Black Frost, <laughs> also known as If the Apocalypse Comes to Beat Me. It's a weekly-ish podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where we take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago, and this week's episode is season five. Episode 19, Tough Love. We'll be talking about plot, we'll be talking about the characters, and hey, we'll be talking about the Twinkie defense. So spoilers about this episode, every episode, before, after, the comics, other shows and movies. Hey, prepare yourself. For a disciplinary, educational type fun podcast. I'm ready for a disciplinary education no? podcast. Wow, welcome back. It's uh man, it's I can't believe this is the fourth to last episode. I just there's only three after this. It's going it's gonna go fast. I'm not ready. Uh, luckily, I'm not alone. Who am I? My name is Kelly. And the other people that are here with me are Stacia. Say hello. Hello. Daniel, say hello. A watch podcast never pods. It would if it was patriotic. It's not so good. Not so mm. good. Mm. Yeah, this bodes well. Uh, we're here to talk about not ogling or patriotism. I mean, maybe. But we are definitely here to talk about season five of Buffy the Vampire Splayer. Splayer, specifically. Episode 19, Tough Love, which originally aired on May 1st of the year 2001. Written by Rebecca Rand Kirscher, this is the third of eighth for her. Last one was Listening to Fear and, crucially, relevant to this episode. The next one will be Tabula Rasa. Directed by David Grossman, this is eight of 12 for him. The last one was Out of My Mind. And the next one's, plural, will be Bargaining Part 1 and 2. Uh, some There wasn't a whole lot of... Uh, oh, wait, I got to do the plot first. <laughs> hey, what happened in this episode? Oh, I thought you were about to reach for something to show me. Like he had gotten fed up and written on a post-it like, God damn it, this is the order. Shut up. Watch me kill your girlfriend, Faye. That's an order. This episode, hey, a lot happened. It was very dramatic, okay? Uh, I can't remember how it starts, but let me tell you. We do things. Oh, yeah. Buffy drops out of college. Buffy drops out of college. She goes to the magic box and picks up Dawn, I guess. Dawn's been skipping school. I can't really remember what's going on with Buffy in this episode because it's not really about her. It's all about Willow and Tara. Oh, my gosh. And my tiny lesbian heart just can't take it. Uh, Willow and Tara have a fight in their dorm. They were supposed to go on a cute date to the ramshackle (laughs) multicultural fair. Um... But instead, they have a big old fight, and Willow storms off, and Tara goes to the multicultural flare, which, weird, but we can talk about that later. I don't think I would have done that if we had a big fight. I think I would have just stayed home and be sad, but that's fine. Uh, and at the multicultural fair, uh-oh, Glory's minions have wrongly deduced that Tara is the key. So she descends upon the multicultural fair, where Tara is sad sitting on a bench by herself, unprotected, and, hey, Glory sucks her brain out! And it's... Terrible. And I just, another installment of the sad, tragic, and short life of Tara <laughs> McClay is what we get here. Um, Willow does not take it super well, as one would not when somebody they love has a terrible thing happen to them. I don't feel real multicultural right now. 
and goes on a little revenge spree. She gets a book that is hilariously named Darkest Magic, of course, with a K, uh, and goes to kick some god ass with some sweet Jedi-style lightning. Uh, I guess Sith Lord lightning. Jedis don't lightning. Um, and actually does a little bit of damage. I mean, not damage so much as she does make Glory kind of slow, which is all she needed to do, because right before Glory can stab a knife right through Willow's heart, Buffy bursts in and saves Willow, and they get away while Glory is just trapped by an invisible nothing, but is apparently very slow. We cut to our little closing nice coda scene where... Buffy and Dawn are like, we're sisters and we love each other and we'll get through this even though mom's dead and it'll be okay. And Willow and Tara, Tara is not really there mentally, but Willow's like, oh, I'm going to take care of Tara and everything's going to be okay. And then what happens? Of course, Glory blows up a wall in the dorm room exposing all of our friends. And Tara, because she is now one of the brainless Glory key sing people, says, oh God, the light. And oh, key beans spilled. Cut to black. Anybody order an apocalypse? That was a great synopsis. Except for I don't Buffy. Uh, Buffy, what did what? But I don't know. Not not important. Not important. Not a whole lot of like behind the scenesy stuff on this one, or firsts, or fun facts. But I'm gonna scrape some together anyway, uh, and we'll start right at the bottom of the barrel. The score for this episode uh, was collected on a Buffy soundtrack album. And the only reason why I thought that was kind of worth mentioning is because, well, it's the only time anyone's thought to mention it. Because normally it's just Thomas Winker's credited with original score. They don't go so far as to, like, name the pieces, right? Like, the suites, unless it's, like, you know, angel theme, like, with Christophe Beck's stuff. Every once in a while they will. But every, like, suite or every movement in this episode is, is titled, one, unfortunately, called Tara Gets Brain Sucked. Which I'm just like, come on, guys. Wow. Or, I'm sorry, Glory Brain Sucks Tara. I would not want to misquote it. Um, and speaking of that, that is grammatically better. better. Yeah. Glory. That's better. Yeah. <laughs> Glory brain sucks Tara. Uh, <laughs> the brain sucking in question, uh, hap- the way they did that was they had Claire Kramer, uh, stick her fingers into like a head dummy that was covered in blue. Like you would do a green screen, blue but they screen. did a blue, blue screen. Mm-hmm. And she just stuck her fingers on in the dummy. And then they digitally put in Amber Benson's very unmoving it's face. It's one of the worst things I've <laughs> yeah, ever seen in my it's life. Not good. Yeah. It's just she's not moving no. enough. She's like showing no emotions. Yeah. It really, really We will talk sucks. about that scene in death because it's yeah. it's yeah. Okay. And then uh something not about this television show at all, because again, there was nothing to say about it, but I just had to because it was relevant to our lives. Willow offhandedly mentions uh Miss Miss Mi- oh my god, Miss mentions select seminary for girls which is the boarding school that happens or that the movie book, A Little Princess, takes place in. And we just watched that movie because it was one of Stacia's favorite really? movies as a kid. And I got to nice. tell you, I did not like it at all. It was fucking bonkers from start to finish. And okay. I just like couldn't grasp onto anything. It was just this weird dissonance thing. I was like, I don't know what movie this is trying to be. I don't know who this is for, and I don't know what's happening. But what I do know is what's happening is weird directory special cinematography <laughs> shots out of nowhere that take like beautiful, yeah, yeah. yeah. beautiful, yeah. But for for this weird kids movie, it's ostensibly Annie kind of, <laughs> but with a little bit of a different plot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember. But with like yeah. weird cinematography, like cool, interesting indie weird cinematography. Guess who the director is? 
Alfonso Cuaron. Oh, right. I didn't know that. Yeah. This is his second movie. It was like his wow. first English language movie. Uh, and cool. then he would obviously go on to do um, E2 Mamma Tambien, uh, Great, Great, Great Expectations, Harry Potter 3, Children of Man, Gravity, and most recently Roma. So yeah. it was just One like. One could argue A Little Princess is his magnum opus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One could. <laughs> I could not be on the other side of that because I just, I wouldn't even know how to argue it because I can't articulate what I don't enjoy about it. But like. Yeah. She really. It's not for me. At the end of the movie was just like, why did we, why is this? <laughs> Who would. What? <laughs> Stacia, how did you feel about uh, this episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I don't like this episode. <gasps> no questioning. No quaffling. Quavering? No, I thought about this because I knew you were going to ask, ask me this question. It's <laughs> the first time I premeditated my response, and the answer is I don't like it. It's fucking sad. It brings me down. Yeah. Makes me sad. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay, but, but something can be sad and good. Is it sad and good or sad and not good? No, I wasn't prepared for this. Sorry, sorry. Um, I mean, I, I, I guess it's. I wouldn't say it's good or bad. I would say, like on a on a cinema, film story level, it's fine, but it makes me sad, so I don't like it. I understand. It's yeah. not like, it's not like amazingly heart wrenchingly sad that in the end I walk away and it's like something I think about. It's just like fucking depressing and unfair and it kind of like leaves me like angry sad not just like like that like beautiful melancholic sadness that you're like oh life is so sweet and short or something like that you're just like this fucking sucks yeah, yeah. it's not a sexy french depression it's no it's like, not sexy french depression <laughs> <This sucks. laughs> yeah I, uh, I i agree to a point but i will uh I think, I, I think there's a reason why it's not sexy French depression. Oh, yes, because your good mood is both obvious and contagious. Uh, Daniel, how do you feel about this episode? No, I did not like it that much. I just, I just thought it was kind of boring. Um, I liked all the foreshadowing with Tara and Willow. That stuff was incredibly sad every time she was like, she's my everything, I just found her. All of those are just I, hard to watch. I mean... That, that shit was sad. Very sad. I'm with you on this. Like, this one is just a bummer. Um, I think that Trachtenberg, once again, is incredible. I think that she brings up the monks for the first time. Someone's questioning the monk world, <laughs> which I appreciate. But just as at the end. As soon as I was like, Daniel's going to love this shit. I fucking loved it. I fucking loved it. And Buffy is just like, oh, I'm just going to pretend like we can't just put the ninth grade in. Because they could. They could have done it. They just could have done it. Um, but then she's, you know, she says what, maybe I'm not evil, uh, but I don't think I can be good. I mean, it's good stuff from, from, from Dawn, who is just really understated in this episode. Only a few times we see her, but every time she's on the screen, like she's got a lot of stuff to say. And I think still as a viewer at this point, you don't know what's in store for the key. And when she's sitting here saying, I could be evil, I could be the weapon, the monster. We don't know that that's not true, you know? So I think it's really cool to sort of sit with that. Um, and and really, that's kind of it. Um, Buffy's just kind of not in this episode. I think, again, this is like a, a after the body and all of that. She's taken two episodes off, really. Uh, I definitely agree with the Dawn stuff, although I'll take it a step further and say it's like it's not only is she saying, like, I maybe I am bad. She's saying, I, no, I definitely am. There's no way mm. I'm not. Look at yeah. all this chaos and destruction, and it's all my fault. Your bruises, your limb. That's all me, too. I'm like a lightning rod for pain and hurt. And everyone around me suffers and dies. I must be something so horrible 
caused so much pain and evil. Tara's like this because of me. That's sad. That's horrible. And Tractor really steals the show. I think like she's definitely the standout moment, which is pretty I- intense considering the Willow and Tara scene is, is so good, um, the fight in the dorm room. But yeah, she she really, really kills a great job, MT. Great job. For me, this episode is an easy top 10 if it was done a little differently. Because if you, for me, objectively, if you tell me the beats of this episode, we get amazing Willow and Tara content. Like, not right. just, like, put, cast your minds back to the year 2001. The, this, a scene between two women in a relationship with real, like, drama and conversation having, like, an actual dramatic moment that would be a realistic conversation to have in a relationship with two women it is not happening on a teen drama for lack of a better term on a fucking network tv show it's not happening and it's shit like this is the reason why people still care about this relationship and still care about this show like for the lesbian aspect of it because it's just like that i i the one thing i can always think of is the fosters every time i would watch you watch that show Mm -hmm. i was like this is a good realistic portrayal like they're an adult lesbian couple that has kids and they're like dealing with it like adults they're like Mm -hmm. human beings fully formed characters And it's like that show and this is the only thing I can think of. And I've watched the L word six million times. They're all fucking they're like ridiculous. <laughs> Grey's Anatomy. No, no, no. Fuck y'all, Zoe. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, I, I can't. <laughs> For sure. I can't. I mean, in the, within the context of that show, which is already over the top all the time, okay, I guess. But like, I don't know. They're a mess. They're a mess. Yeah, they're a mess. Everyone <laughs> on that show's a mess. I still feel like that was like a legitimate like relationship that you would believe is real yeah all right i don't know do we do do were we annoyed at all by like all of a sudden haven't they had this conversation though about like i'm not gonna leave you like i love you like i i I, it was the same thing with with buffy all of a sudden turning on dawn and being mad at dawn because the plot demanded it i feel like again what where did this come from where is tara all of a sudden being like i'm just a fad you don't you're gonna break up with me where did that come from? I felt like, I, like you're saying, the beats are really nice if it was laid out better or something. But these feel like two contrivances that we've done before that we just need to kind of do again. Because we're, we're kind of just like, we need to get to the end of the season. And, and that, to me, those two things were just like, oh, okay. It's a little manufactured. But at least we got cool performances. We needed to do something like this. But I feel like they just ran out of time or something. I don't know. Yeah. So I... Uh, sorry, I'm going to go on so many tangents because I really have a lot of feelings about this episode. But yeah, so so the beat of Willow and Tara relationship stuff actually happening. So we don't spend a ton of time with them ever. Uh, no. Uh, the terrible thing happens. A traumatic event happens to Tara. That's a significant thing. Like if you just said on paper, Tara loses her mind. Like she's gone. Yeah. And like in uh, fucking glory finds the key. Like all these things are really huge. But this episode really suffers from what I think Tara as a character suffers from, period, which is so much potential and so little follow-through. There's something going on, I think, technically with this episode. I think they had to do a lot of reshoots. I think they had to do a lot of shit in post uh, and a lot of ADR, which is like the after-dubbing the audio, um, because there's really strange cuts. And a lot of times, and it, it, the reason why we couldn't see it so much is because we're watching it in 16 by 9 instead of the original 4 point, uh, four by 3 aspect ratio. But there are so many, more than I've noticed in any other episode, times where you can see Claire Kramer 
delivering her dialogue on the bench with Tara, for instance, her mouth is not matching up to the words at all because it's one of the million times they had to shoot the scene from all the different angles. And that happens in a, in a lot of different scenes throughout the episode. And I think it just, it, it struggles a lot from that. And the other thing I think it struggles from that takes out the drama of what should be incredibly powerful scenes, like not only did Amber Benson maybe drop the ball a little bit on that park scene, but the score also let her down. I think it was really interesting that, um, you know, they made a big deal about naming the movements of the, the the score in this episode. And I think that that score really sucked out all of the drama of that scene because not only do we get the, the park bench being awkward to begin with, but right before that, we get a montage of sad piano music and everybody's sad and just like, right. damn, man, this... You give this Disney money with a really, really competent <laughs> composer who, like, knows how to ratchet up the tension and tears, Sorry. this thing is, like, on fire. This, it, like, yeah. would blow it up. So I think this could be a top ten episode with, with a Disney money and maybe made in 2021 with a, a better score. But as it is, I, I think it really just doesn't yeah. doesn't make it. So anyway, that's a lot to say. That's a great, that's a great thing, review, but. and I think I agree with that completely. But not having that Disney money, uh, it's unbelievable how far this episode's going to drop for me, because like I said, nothing I hate more than contrivances, and there's two of them in here, and it's just I like that we did it, but it just feels forced. We've, we've just had these these conversations too many times. The Tara and Willow, not so much, but just this whole fucking Dawn thing with Buff, Buffy, where we're hot and we're cold, we're hot and we're cold. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, come on, man. Come on. You can't walk out there and just start yelling at your sister for doing <laughs> having fun with math. Yeah. Like, we can't we can't fucking do this and like expect us to all be like cool with it. I'm not cool with it. But then we get a great conversation at the dinner table, right? So it's like there's always something gets taken away from us and our souls, and then they give something back. And then they take away and they give back and then Tara gets her head sucked and that's horrible. And then, you know, we get, you know, I don't know, it just kind of keeps giving and taking. It's annoying a little bit. No. Is that no spelled Y-E-S? S-O-R-T of? I want you both to cast your minds back all the way to season one. A little episode called... That's where I live. That's where I live. And you know what? Again, tangent. Tangent upon tangent. If you're trying to follow this episode in any kind of logical order, God bless. So, I, as I'm watching these episodes, I'm really trying to be critical and focus in on why... Sometimes I feel like this show could benefit from the the HBO Disneyifying whatever we've talked about this multiple times, and like I could pinpoint it in this one. I know where the technical the f- faults are, but also this show gets sadder and sadder and sadder and never really picks back up. I think mm-hmm. they try in season seven mm-hmm. to pick it back up, and maybe yeah. that's why it I didn't like it the first couple times around. So I'm curious to watch it again, but like. I found myself watching this episode specifically. Like, you and I usually have some banter while we're watching the episodes together, but especially during the Will and Tara scene, we're just, like, silent. Like, yeah, this is fucking sad. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I fucking miss the early seasons. I miss when the stakes were so low. (laughs) It was, like, bug teacher. And, like, man, I never really felt that way about watching the show. Like, I'm always so eager to get to the drama. And now I'm just like, this show's fucking sad. (laughs) I'm so glad you're saying that. I keep... keep (laughs) Watching this show and thinking about, like, the end, because it's like we're we're almost there. There's season six and there's season seven left. Like, we've seen the majority of the show at this point. And I'm like, 
what's the best season? What's the best season? And I keep, like, mulling it over in my head, and I'm like, I do like season six, but it's also got a lot of stuff I don't like about it, and season seven is definitely not the best one. So, like, it's either season six or it's one of the ones we've already seen, but then what is it? Because I'm already, like, I know it's not season four, (laughs) so I'm at, like, one to three. Three and then you're like, well, those have their own inherent issues just because they're so bad because they're the beginning ones. But there's something like so like earnest and like I don't know raw about them that it's very nostalgic for me. Even though I watched these all together at the same time like one summer, the earlier ones just have some sort of like I don't know quality to them that the older seasons don't. Does it involve a midget and a block of ice? I met him online. I'm like for what? printed page is obsolete. Information isn't bound up anymore. It's an entity. The only reality is virtual. If you're not jacked in, you're not alive. I will be Flash. God, this game is brutal. I love it. I happen to believe that one can survive in modern society without being a slave to the uh, idiot box. Pork and beans. Pork and beans. I don't think Mitch needs his comb right now. I think Mitch needs medical attention. I helped you cast that demon out of the internet. I think that merits some trust. What am I, a knowledge girl now? You have fruit punch mouth. What? <laughs> Gets bad. Ooh, hello, salty goodness. Just gonna go home, lie down, and listen to country music. The music of pain. I know Principal Flutie would have said, kids need understanding. Kids are human beings. It's the kind of woolly-headed liberal thinking that leads to being eaten. Hi, Buffy. Hi, Willow. Would you like to hear some off-color jokes? Really don't think you should be doing that. What? Come on. I am not real. And acquit it. He's not real. On a scale of one to ten? It sucked. Well, I guess it could be worse. I could have gangrene on my face. Nazi Germany was a model of a well-ordered society? I didn't write that. Putting out a flash, you just hope enough in my group response. You know what they say. Once you go wood, nothing's as good. It's all right, he's a honey, but... Fish gotta swim, birds gotta fly. Baseball. When you lose, it's bad. I don't get it. What is it? Avant-garde? I think I speak for everyone here when I say, huh? Yeah, I never yeah. thought I would miss it, though. And I like, I really, really do. And I was trying to pinpoint when it all fell apart. And I was starting to realize, I think why so many people hate season four is because that's where it fell apart. Mm-hmm. Like, it really did. If you think about the beginning of season five, when, especially starting with Buffy versus Dracula, we're really... But we're friends again, guys. College was weird. We kind of outgrew each other a little bit, but we found each other in the end, and we're friends again, guys. And it was some of that earlier episode energy, right? Very frivolous. Fucking Buffy versus Dracula. I mean, it's right there in the title. Sure. So we, we tried to get it back a little bit, and we even, like, the replacement. So I was thinking a lot about Xander in the context of the evolution of the show. Mm-hmm. Remember how every episode was, le- and now we have a segment where we dunk on Xander. The guy is getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back, and he never comes back. Not really. And in this episode specifically, when he's saying this funny bra line, it's like, that's who we always needed you to be. We needed you to be the guy that would step back because you're just human and support us and be there when we need you. Instead of being like, 
ridiculous teenage crush boy, but like that's growing up, right? Like everybody's growing up and it all happens in season four and we never get back to being a teenager, which makes sense because you can't get back to being a teenager. You can't go back. Yeah. So it's like the show's good, guys, is what I'm saying, but it's fucking sad. The show's good. (laughs) It's sad. It's sad and it never gets good, like happy again. Mm. And I just like don't remember ever feeling that. Mm-hmm. I just always remember trying to get to that point. And isn't that a metaphor for life itself? You spend your whole teenage years, can't wait till you get older, you can do whatever you want, everything's going to be great, and it turns out it's a shit sandwich the whole rest of the way. <laughs> anyway. She's got a lot of lesbian feelings she has to deal with. So like, many lesbian yeah. feelings all That's the time. Let's have an episode together. <laughs> Uh, God. Okay, let me try to go back to the sentence I was attempting. Remember season one, guys? (laughs) Do you remember the episode Out of Sight, Out of Mind, starring from what I'm sure later and many, many many things? Veep. I can always remember. Chloe Duvall. Ah, No? Clea Duvall. Clea Duvall. Thank you. I was like, something close to that. Yes. I always want to call her Graham because I think that's her name in what I'm sure later. Anyway, in that episode, um, Marcy is the character's name captures Cordelia like all of her ire about being excluded and turning invisible is all towards Cordelia right so that's that's that episode she gets captured and like tries to slice her up a little bit anyway but there's a scene in that episode where they're in class together talking about some play or story there's a character named Shylock does that ring any bells people that's who read books Shakespeare play great I'm sure that's what it was I think it's so, Merchant of Venice yes yeah there, Venice is in the dialogue line yes so it must be that. Look at that. Look at that. Shakespeare stuff. I took a lot wow. of Shakespeare wow. classes in college. Wow. Mm, paying off. In that scene, they're talking about, I guess, the Shylax guy's motivations or something. And Delia's like saying to the teacher, it's bullshit. This guy, well, she doesn't say bullshit because it's the WB, but it's bullshit. This guy's defense is such a Twinkie defense. Everybody's always like, mm-hmm. poor me. You know, this made me do whatever I did wrong, and that's just garbage. People should be accountable for their actions, more or less. And then says something funny like, like that one time I hit a girl with my car, and she was all like, my arm, my arm. And I'm like, but what about my trauma? I was like, ah, Cordelia. This show used to be so fun. So good. God. So. All of her car trauma. All that to say, I completely forgot that. Why would I remember that? But in the, the beginning of this episode, there's a doctor who will see who will be t- Tara's doctor later, who is roasting the shit out of Ben for constantly missing work. I'm sorry I'm late. You're not late. But sir, you can't be late to a job that you don't have. And during his little tirade, he says, maybe Twinkies made me do it, uh, explaining his absence. And I was like, I just thought that was a weird offhanded comment because then we just wouldn't need to get to the joke about like, maybe there's a demon. Ha ha ha. It's a real thing. And I think we might have talked about it all the way back in season one, but it's unlikely we did any kind of proper research because those are the dark days. It's so. unlikely we still have done any proper research. <laughs> do you guys remember that we used to have robots? Yeah, I do maybe the robot. That. Do you, do you remember it's that? So do you funny. fucking remember that? Yeah, we so have funny. our it's own horrible. version of the early seasons. That's mm-hmm. sweet. Ooh. I know we do exactly. Oh, we've grown up so much, guys. <laughs> really, the show used to be fun. Yeah, her podcast is also less fun. <laughs> 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 it's so dark now. <laughs> I love it. Oh God. Okay, Twinkie defense. Okay, speaking of dark, let's talk about murder. Yeah. I'm just gonna talk about the case that made the Twinkie defense the the phrase that coined the phrase. So coined the setting phrase. is 1970s San Francisco. Got a great government. Most 
culturally diverse government San Francisco's ever seen. Harvey Milk gets elected as a supervisor. I didn't look into it. I don't know what a supervisor is, but there's more than one. And another supervisor elected at the same time is a man named Dan White. And, you know, living up to his name, (laughs) he's a villain. (laughs) (laughs) He was previously a cop and a firefighter. When he gets elected, there's a rule in San Francisco that you can't have multiple government jobs. So he has to quit his higher paying firefighter job to be a supervisor. Uh, This happens in 1977. White clashes with Milk and other members of this, like, board or whatever over, it seemed like, basically everything. Um, It was quite contentious, and they fought a lot. Um, Specifically, one of the things was Harvey Milk voted to put a group home in Dan White's district, which he really didn't like. So Dan White retaliated by being the only member to vote against the super progressive bill in San Francisco that they instituted um, that made it illegal to discriminate based on sexual orientation for housing, um, employment, and public accommodations. So Dan White was the only one who voted no on that law or ordinance. Mm-hmm. Did that make it not pass, law. or is it still... No, it, it oh, passed, okay. but he was the only one that was like, no. Every, it, other, everyone else said yes. I dissent. Yeah, so basically, the point is, Dan White was a huge dick, and no one liked him. <laughs> <laughs> and sure. he was he was frustrated because he's making like $10,000 a year as a public servant. He's not making his sweet firefighter money. So to compensate, he tries to open a baked potato stand at the pier. As you do. As you do. Sweet. Failed terribly. So he decides, I want to go back to my firefighting money. So he quits being a supervisor. But then he regrets it, and he comes back, and he goes to the mayor, Mayor Moscone. And he says, dude, let me have my job back. And Moscone's like, maybe, I don't know. I I need to think about it. And a bunch of the politicians who didn't like Dan White, because he was a bit of a dick, as we discussed, including Harvey Milk, lobbied Moscone to say no. And Moscone ended up agreeing, and he um, was going to appoint a much more liberal person to take Dan White's place. But while this whole thing is happening, (laughs) Jonestown Massacre happens. And if you know anything about Jonestown, Congressman Leo Ryan was one of the people that was murdered during the whole awful ordeal. So basically uh, the city and the mayor kind of like pushed the agenda back and made Dan White wait a couple of weeks. So he's sitting there stewing. He finally gets word that he's not going to get reappointed. Um, And so like a week after the Jonestown murders, Mayor Moscone is about to um, like officially instate this new person to take his place. So Dan White gets his friend to drive him to the, City Hall with a loaded gun. He climbs through the window of the basement because there's now metal detectors in the lobby. And he goes up to Mayor Moscone's office, asks to speak with him. Moscone is like, come into my inner sanctum. I don't want to have a scene. Dan White shoots him five times. Goddamn. And then leaves. And as he's, he's heading towards his previous office where he used to work, and his plan is to find three other people in the building, Milk and two other people. He runs into Milk on his way, and he says, hey, Harvey, can I talk to you? And Harvey Milk says, yeah, sure. So they duck into an office where Dan White shoots him, like, five times. And then Dan White just, like, walks out of the building and leaves. He eventually turns himself in later that day um, after he, like, talks to his wife. And his wife is like, you can't just 
you have to you have to do this. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, obviously everyone's outraged and shocked, and they like cannot believe that these two um, public figures were just like murdered in broad daylight. Um, his trial goes forward, and essentially the defense says, "Let me take a step back. In law, when you are charged with first degree murder, which is like the highest, it depends on the state because they are all different, but." First-degree murder would be, like, the highest level um, of, like, felony murder that you could be charged with. And basically, you have to be able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, so something that any reasonable person could believe, that the person who did it acted with premeditation, deliberation, and the specific intent to kill. Meaning, they had to know what they were doing, they had to intend to do it, and they had to have planned to do it in advance. So there's a bunch of defenses to being charged with murder, and not all of them have to be not guilty or innocent. Um, Like, you know, there's self-defense if you hurt or killed someone because you're trying to protect yourself or someone else. Um, Gay panic defense, which is bullshit and legal still in most states, so, you know. Really? Yeah. Like most, most? It's like 30 states or something. God damn. Um, And then the insanity defense is another classic one that everyone hears about. So his defense is diminished capacity, which means he's essentially saying, I had a mental illness, which meant that there's enough doubt that you cannot say I did this with intention, that I haven't like met those three levels that you need for first degree murder. Um, And the reason why it gets called the Twinkie defense is because I guess White was like a health fanatic. He liked to run. And the months leading up to this, he'd gained a bunch of weight and he was eating a lot of junk food. Specifically mentioned at trial were ho-hos and ding-dongs. And that was supposed to be a symptom of his depression, not like the ding-dongs made him kill people. (laughs) But just that he's exhibiting all these symptoms of depression. And it was the depression that diminished his capacity to, you know, form this intent to premeditate this murder before he did it. A reporter decided to, like, go wild with the story and started calling it the Twinkie defense, although, frankly, he should call it the Ding Dong defense because it sounds way better and was actually mentioned at trial, and Twinkies yeah, never were. Whatever. Anyways, the jury buys it. They're like, yeah, he seemed to be impaired, and he didn't know what he was doing, and so instead of being convicted of first-degree murder, he gets convicted of manslaughter, which was, Jesus. like, the lowest charge he could be convicted of and so the judge gave him the harshest sentence he could under what the jury found him guilty of which was seven years and eight months which um pissed off a lot of people (laughs) it led to the white night riots in san francisco a lot of people thought the reason why he was um convicted of the lesser charge was homophobia because harvey milk was openly gay and um dan white had sort of clearly not liked him partially for being gay so there were a lot of feelings about it um in the end dan white served five of his eight years or almost eight years sentence before he was paroled and um, about two years after parole he committed suicide oh so this whole thing the twinkie defense this idea you know, it's not that the Twinkies made me do it. All the people have up to this point, like, really used that as a defense, like saying other things have made me do it. Usually it's like cough medicine or some kind of drug. One person said it was um, MSG in McDonald's food made him nice. go out and massacre nice. people in 1984. Uh, so California, though, they were like, this is bullshit. 
this guy should not have been able to get away with a seven-year sentence for murdering two people in broad daylight. So um, they actually ended up passing a law that made the um, diminished capacity defense illegal. It's not an option anymore um, for defendants in California to use during a trial. So one thing that I thought was interesting, as we know beacon of morality, Justice Scalia (laughs) opined (laughs) in United States v. Gonzalez Lopez in 2006. He was talking about the Twinkie defense, and he said, he he was talking about this in the regard of the choice of counsel is more important than the effective assistance of counsel when it comes to a defense attorney. That's more important to be able to choose who you want to defend you than to have a competent defense attorney. And he says it like this, quote, I don't want a competent lawyer. I want a lawyer who's going to get me off. I want a lawyer who will invent the Twinkie defense. I would not consider the Twinkie defense an invention of a competent lawyer, but I want a lawyer who's going to win for me. So he's basically saying... You don't have to follow the rules, I guess. You just want someone who's going to, like, vehemently come up with random bullshit to make sure that you don't end up going to jail. I mean, this is so. this is Breaking Bad. You don't need a criminal <laughs> lawyer. You need a criminal lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Depends on yeah. your um, emphasis on that. So. Exactly, yeah. Seriously, when the going gets tough, you don't want a criminal lawyer, right? You want a criminal lawyer. Know what I'm saying? The Twinkie defense, not actually about Twinkies. Um, the ding dong defense. I mean, I think we the ding dong defense is better. Call it that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it did get to the point though where apparently a, one attorney in court brought Twinkies and was like waving them around oh. to make his point. Good lord. Good lord. Yeah. What's going on? What's going on? <laughs> and people make fun of British people with Parliament and their rights and shit, but they don't bring snack cakes in. I mean, they might. Who knows? It's funny that you bring up Dan White because you know it's. When you said it, I uh, somebody dug up Tucker, Tucker Carlson's yearbooks from back in the day. I saw it on Twitter, and he was uh, a member of the Dan White fan club. Oh, yeah. I saw that, wow. too. Gross. Thanks, babe. Yeah, anytime. I called you babe. Oh, no. Awkward. <laughs> Mayor Moscow and Harvey Milk. Yeah, what the fuck? Anyway. Yeah, totally. See, if Buffy wanted to be... Better they would have used the ding dong instead of the Twinkie here, and I just then like, they would have been in the how now. dare that reporter? The guy didn't even mention Twinkies. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly you can alter history. Well, I imagine Hostess popped in and was like, "Hey guys, no, 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 ding dongs are selling fine. Twinkies are on, they're on the decline. Can we get a <laughs> yeah. Twinkie bump here? Can we get that? Can we just do, do we that?" We also remember in the early days of Buffy when Xander taught um, the mummy how to eat a Twinkie. Oh, yeah, shoved the whole thing in his mouth. Or, uh, the, yeah, Inca <laughs> Mummy Girl, right? Yeah, Impata. that's right. Impata. Yes. That was the last time we had a cultural exchange. Oh, no. <laughs> so, insular. Oh, God. Oh, my God. It okay. all comes back. This is incredible. Do you think that was Impata's defense? Twinkie oh. movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Shit. I had to suck the life out of Jonathan. I was high Jonathan. on sugar. <laughs> Man, it was so much fun back then. We just had good times back then. You're not a praying mantis, are you? <laughs> Sorry, someone else. So, there's a couple of things in this episode that I think are kind of the crux of it. As I said at the top, this episode is really the first half of Tabula Rasa's second half to me because the issues that we bring up specifically come to the fore, come to a head, I should say, in that episode, right? So we have Giles a little more indirectly uh, 
but clearly feeling weird about his position in Buffy's life. Uh, he doesn't want to step in and be like a, a parent, which makes sense. But where is he and what happens? And then obviously when Buffy dies, he's like, fuck it, I don't need to be here at all. And then Tabula Rasa, he does leave, you know, for good, yeah. more or less. Um, I was curious what either of you thought, and I know we've we've kind of tread this ground before, but I never got a satisfying answer because <laughs> there's no satisfying answer to this question, I don't think. Uh, so let's do it again. So let's do it again. <laughs> <laughs> what do what do you think, Stacia, about Giles kind of stepping back and being like, I'm not going to be your guys' dad? I mean, especially, I'm not, or at least specifically, I'm not going to be Dawn's dad. Do you think that he was right to be like, Buffy, this is your problem, or should he step in and help out? Dawn needs an authority figure. A, a strong guiding hand shall listen to you. So, like you always have. I listen. I do. I, I don't know. I mean... Giles, at least I left the scene feeling kind of like he was, like, cold and closed off. But at the same time, like, I respect the fact he doesn't want to be their dad. And it's awkward for him to be put in that position, frankly. I get why he's saying Buffy needs to step up and do this. But also, she's still essentially a child. And if I was Giles, I would be incandescent with rage at their father. Yeah. Where the fuck are you? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's hard. If if he truly doesn't feel like he has the capacity to and he has been wanting to leave for a while, I don't think he should put himself in that position because it's going to be obvious that he's not got his heart in it. So I guess that's where I'm at. Yeah. I mean, he says, I may be a grown up, but you're her family. Yeah. And I mean, he, again, he's not saying I'm your family. Right. So, I mean, he he set these boundaries a long time ago and I respect him for sticking to it. I think it sucks that we already use the family as a title for an episode when we could have called this one family because he says family, he sure does. but, but that's, you know, beyond that. No, I, th- I think Giles is fine by, by doing that. I mean, he's going to help Buffy obviously. And even this, a nice pep talk. Right. But then she walks out there and fucking blows up. Yeah. I don't know, Giles, you got to step in and be like, Hey, 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 no. Yeah. I think that maybe the satisfying answer is that he's right to say, this is the boundary. And also, oh my God, to say you're her—he doesn't say you're her her only family. He says you're her only real family left. Well, we all know that's not fucking true. Hank is alive. Hank could very easily take guardianship of Dawn, and really should. I, I, well, I guess I would say to that is that we also know that she is not real, and that Buffy truly is. I mean, I think they're all her family because Dawn didn't exist six months ago. So like Hank, yeah, we could see, technically he is in the memories of everybody, the father, but not really, right? Because we we all know that Don's not real. But I mean, do you want Hank to show up, Kelly? No. I definitely don't want Hank to show up, and I don't want Don to live with him. But I feel like we do have to take for granted that the monks, their reach goes all the way through the U.S. government. That's fair, but I mean, but but they know that that he's not really the father. There is no father, right? I mean, I would I would be pissed off if if Hank were to show up and be like, I'm taking my daughter away. I mean, it would be nice because then the key is gone, I guess. But we don't like Hank. We probably not probably not going to protect her that well. But at least she'll be gone like there. I don't know. I, I don't think I can say this right, you know, because she's not fucking real. She's not actually Hank's daughter. Yes, you are correct. Yes. But in the scope yes. of the show, I don't think that's a factor like that's never 
everything. And that's crazy to me because they all know the truth. And I know that they've accepted Dawn as a part of their family and a real person as they should. But you can also draw the line and be like, the monks are fake. Everything that's been implanted in me has been implanted. And so this person I've literally never seen actually once, Hank, my dad, he's not really my dad. He's not really a thing. I mean, is that callous? I don't no, know. No, I mean, it's legit. I That's mean, how if I you feel. Were da- like, we talked about that during Blood Ties a little bit, trying to get inside the head, the mind of somebody who would be like, I'm not real. What does that fucking mean? But in a, yeah. even however you're processing that, in a very real way, Buffy has been there, is there, is showing up, is your protector in I all mean, the sense of the word. No, I mean, I think on yeah. a literal level, you could say Buffy is her literal family because the monks made Dawn out of Buffy. Right. It's like yeah. a very Adam and Eve situation. <laughs> like, they are like, literally, when she was like, your blood is Summer's blood, that's true. But I think Daniel made the very, like, prescient point of saying, like, she's literally never even met Hank. Mm-hmm. Every every memory she has of him is fabricated, unlike with Joyce, where she was living with Joyce uh-huh. on a day-to-day basis, and they had a relationship outside of the monk's creation. Hank is right. just a big question mark for her. So Sure. And for us. I think really. you know at least on a real like day to day level, Buffy is her only family. She is like literally the yeah. only person she is quote unquote related to that Dawn actually knows. But yeah. the question is is she a question? The word question is lost all meaning. What? Uh to the state of California. Is she a question to the state of California? Uh, yeah. So what's the deal? Like, is, I assume she would be. Like, do <laughs> 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 you think the state of California has like a little bureaucracy corner that's like the key? Yeah, the key. And there's like one person in a closet. <laughs> no, and no, The paper no. comes oh, to them geez. and they're like, oh, what's happening? <laughs> in the state of California, could a 19-year-old girl take guardianship of her 14-year-old sister? Without going through the father first, would she be put in the system? Do you know anything about this, Stacia? Yeah, firm answer. It depends. Cool. <laughs> Moving on. Not that I should have to say this. Don't take legal advice from a Buffy podcast. This is not legal <laughs> advice. Oh. However, Do you have a key? You, don't listen to us. We don't know. If you are a parent in California and you die without a will, intestate is what it's the legal term. If you die intestate. The court will generally give custody to the surviving parents. Parents, right. So, Makes if sense. you are a parent with a child and you are estranged from your child's other parent mm. for whatever reason, you can put in a will, I don't want my child to, like, I don't want the other parent to have custody of my child for these reasons. This person is dangerous. They have a drug problem. They've hurt us in the past. They're, you know, whatever it is. You can do that, and the courts will take that into account and generally go with your recommendation on who you want to be a guardian. The other thing is the surviving parent could say, I relinquish my parental rights. I don't want to be involved. I suspect that it's some combination of that with Joyce. We can assume that she died with a will because Buffy says... We talked about all this before. Joyce Mm -hmm. went into surgery. It sounded like she was prepared for that eventuality. Um, So there's probably a clause in the will that says, in the event of my death, I want custody of my daughter, Dawn, to go to my daughter, Buffy, and Hank Summers, the father, agrees to this. <laughs> or it's possibly she was given, the other option is she was given, like, emergency guardianship while they tried to contact Hank, but they can't reach him because he's, like, in Spain. Right. <laughs> uh, but I'm guessing it's probably the first one. <laughs> 
Yeah. She would have done her will. I mean, unless she, a miraculous timing, she happened to make the will up. I mean, I guess she maybe would have done it when she got brain cancer, right? Okay, never mind. Yeah, probably during Because I was shadow. thinking, because yeah. I was yeah. thinking, if she thought to not go back and do that, then Dawn is conspicuously absent from her will, unless the monks nah, the went monks in and wrote it in. in. The monks <laughs> get to everything. God damn no it. No stone unturned. Damn yeah, it. but I mean, I think you can assume that she died with a will, and it was recently updated because it was something that she was talking about with Buffy. I think that's why it's a little easier to hand wave away this whole guardianship issue, because we can just say, that's what Joyce wanted. Yeah. That's what she said to do. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Makes sense. I just didn't know how it would, it would all yeah. come down. It's just like, they're, they are 19, maybe 20 now, I think, is yeah. officially, yeah, Buffy's birthday. She will be her 20th birthday in the January of this year, 2001 or whatever. She's 20 years old. Let's say all of our friends are 20, except for Tara's a little bit older. Oh, my God. Focus, brain. So, they're all 20 years old. Yeah. And Buffy's like, I'm going to be a parent now. And Willow, at the end of the episode, I'm going to take care of I this know. person who can't take care of themselves anymore. Forever. Forever. I've just signed myself up to do that. Yeah. Noble. Amazing. Incredible. Sad. But I don't know realistic. That's fucking mm-hmm. sad for sure. Yeah. I don't. And I don't think it's necessarily fair. I, I, and, and it's not. I mean, like, obviously this situation happens in real life all the time and it's heartbreaking. And I'm sure people are always at that crossroads of what do you do is the best solution situation for Dawn and for Buffy for Dawn to stay with Buffy. Now, She's the key, and the safest place for the key to be is with Buffy, like inarguably, right? Because she can protect Don. I mean, maybe with Angel or maybe with another superpowered person, sure, but she needs to be protected because she's the key, and the world will end. After she's no longer the magical key, should she stay with Buffy? Is that the best situation for them? We don't really know anything about Hank, but it doesn't really seem like he wants a kid. True. And, you know, the other. You know, obvious solution would be foster care, and I would say between Buffy and foster care, that foster care would be worse. Yeah. So, I guess in those very short terms of a father who doesn't want you in foster care, yeah, she should be with Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> so probably, well, Buffy dies probably. too, so I mean, yeah. she goes yeah. with Willow. I mean, right? that I mean, gets into yeah. a very gray area where she probably shouldn't be there anymore. Yeah. yeah. Right. So you're living with. Your dead sister's best friend and her girlfriend, who have no relation to you, and no relation at not. all. Yeah. Okay. Don't have jobs. Oh, Don't okay. Have jobs. okay, cool. <laughs> that's good. I was worried they were employed. Uh, Living in your dead mom's house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. Well, at least because they lost so. a they lost a wall, so they do need to move somewhere. So that's good. At least they found a new place <laughs> to live. Right. Yeah. True. They're that's living right. in Joyce's house. What the hell does that work? Fucking Jesus. The other side of it is it is it the best decision for Buffy? Her job is dangerous. No. She Dawn is a risk, and and not only is Dawn putting her in jeopardy all the time because she has to keep Dawn safe. John Dawn is in jeopardy all the time because people are going after Buffy. Would it not be better for Buffy to not have Dawn there? Not like so we can we establish that it's better for Dawn to be in this environment, right? Versus the alternative of a foster care or being with Hank or whatever. But is it better that Dawn is with Buffy for Buffy's sake? She loves her, so yes, she has to be there. <laughs> it's love. I mean, it's your family. It's your family. I mean, otherwise you could say that, again, she said that a million times. Buffy, all the friends need to go away, right? I mean, she's begged for that for five years now, and everyone's stubbornly not leaving her alone. So I think she needs Dawn like she needs Xander and needs Willow and Tara and Anya and Giles and all of our friends. Exactly. So she's a part of it now. I mean, 
Sorry, Dawn. <laughs> yes, I agree with you. I do think that there's like an extra level with Dawn because it's someone that she, you know, I don't want to say feels the need to protect because I'm sure she does with all her friends, but like sure. has to care for, you know, in a more fundamental level than her friends. Like her friends are going to like feed themselves and pay for their own rent. And like, you know, like she like gets a sad do- job at Double Meat Palace to try to like deal with us. And like, I think her life would be fundamentally different if Dawn wasn't in it. Um, so I think sure. it's definitely harder for Buffy and possibly riskier because, like, clearly she's willing to go to great lengths to save Dawn. Um, but, like, how could you How could you take Dawn away yeah. from her? Yeah. She'd I be know. sad you can't, if Dawn wasn't there. I think that would be, it. like, at this point, that yeah. would also be, you know, a detriment to Buffy. Yeah, because sad. I, yeah, yeah. I mean. Totally sad. I think, <laughs> totally I think that sad. if Dawn left and was living with Hank, Buffy would be really sad and would be kind of like, what do I have left? Yeah. My mom's dead. My sister's yeah. gone. The other big thing in the episode, obviously, as we've discussed, kind of around uh, the Willow and Tara fight. I don't know where I'm going to fit in in your life when when I change back. Yeah, this is a college thing, just a, a little experimentation before I get over the thrill and head back to Boys Town. You think that? Should I? I'm... Really sorry that I didn't establish my lesbo street cred before I got into this relationship, but you're the only woman I've ever fallen in love with, so how on earth could you ever take me seriously? Whoa, please! Have fun at the fair. So we start off by talking about the multicultural fair, not relevant, but we start in on Willow's magic use right mm-hmm. that's where willow willow would maybe like you not to remember but this fight started because tara accidentally says you frightened me mm-hmm. <laughs> and willow's like i'm sorry what did you just say oh i think you just said you're scared of me oh watch girl you don't got something to be scared of yet you don't even know do you think willow intentionally made the pivot to the talking about her sexuality versus magic on purpose because she didn't want to dive into that top. She didn't want Tara to get any further into the the magic abuse thing. Mm, I don't know if she would like calcul- calculatingly do that. It might yeah. have been a subconscious thing. I'm sure she probably links the idea of like Tara's done so much more and been these things so much longer that it's kind of entwined. And I mean, they have like done the illusion of like magic is lesbianism. <laughs> magic oh. is drugs. Magic is gay. <laughs> magic is all yeah. the things. It's everything. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> Where they're like, I'm going to go do some magic together or whatever. Spells. They're off doing spells. So, like, I don't Maybe they're linked in her head. Like, she starts really exploring this part of herself when she starts dating Tara. And I don't know if she would, like, ha- I don't think she would have. I don't think that she maliciously brought it up to try to deflect from her magic use, I guess. Is yeah. My long-winded way of. Well, she had a good a good point. I mean, I, I kind of didn't see it coming. And I think maybe Willow would want to talk about anything else. But the point she was making before where she's like, I feel sad because I, I it sucks that nobody listens to me because my parent mm-hmm. hasn't died. Right. That was mm-hmm. that that really got buried away after the mm-hmm. fight happened. We never come back to that idea. Hopefully we do in just like a thematic way, but maybe we won't. Um, but yeah, she turns on a dime and, and goes after it. But we saw with the history of witchcraft or whatever, 
that she, if she did it calculatedly, she's not very good at that. And she becomes a stammering mess, right? Like, oh, true. I yeah. feel like she would have just become that stammering mess. But I think that really cut deep because she doesn't see that in herself. But obviously we do. And, and they've, again, done a great job of laying this out. And obviously when she goes upstairs and starts rummaging through to find that, not that we wouldn't have understood what's going on, but it is great that we got to see Dawn already do that, right? We understand exactly what's up there. So all this stuff is just the way that it's all been paced out is just exquisite. And this scene is great for that. And I think that Willow just being really hurt by it is great because we know she's powerful and we know she'll kill, do something like this, right? I mean, she was going to do this with, um, you know, Veru or for, with Oz way back in the day, right? Oh, she yeah, was gonna, yeah, Veruca, yeah. So it's like we we already kind of know if we're if we're thinking back that far that she would Great do point. something she that would go crazy. So Damn, I think I, I think forgot about that. Yeah. Jane Espenson would be proud. It is kind of interesting to think about the history of witchcraft or whatever that book that Willow ends up showing Dawn that whole conversation that from you know Willow's perspective she's like well I don't know if we could and you know Tara knows all this stuff about how the witches made vows and you can't ever do that and Willow doesn't really have that background so she's like ah oh, Tara knows so much more than me then on the flip side Tara's like oh my god Willow's strong enough she could do this and she doesn't seem scared of it and that kind of frightens me yeah to like put that into context that's kind of interesting I haven't thought about that before yeah well Tara knows enough to be scared and yeah. Willow doesn't yeah or even recognize that she's doing it I mean that's the biggest thing that's why yeah. Will- Tara especially because she's right in it because she's with Willow all the time she's willow has no concept of how far she's already gone and tara's yeah. like duh yeah maybe you should stop i don't know yeah but then willow's like i haven't because i don't know as much as you do yeah. we think maybe it's not willow trying to deflect but it's tara because she basically sort of turns to implying like she doesn't mm-hmm. want to talk about the magic anymore right because tara willow's getting upset and tara you know d- when when she's like do you think i'm gonna go to Boytown or whatever there's not like a really vociferous rebuttal from Tara, yeah. right? She's probably very high at this point. It's like, oh my God, I didn't, I once again did not expect this to happen, but just constantly in the otherwise, part of getting totally. stoned. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise she would have been like, no, fuck you. You are strong. You know, it's basically like, I know what you're capable of. And like, yeah, it does frighten me a little bit. Do I act like the big knowledge woman? And maybe we should talk about this, but I think she kind of like doesn't want to upset Tara and like, this is not where I wanted this to go. I didn't mean to say that. I believe she didn't mean to say it, but I think that Tara sort of, I think she's the one that sort of also steered it away and let it get to this thing too, where like, you know, Willow who is is deeply insecure about that idea too, that Tara thinks that she's just going to abandon her. I'm sure that that's something she thinks about a lot. So I think it's a, a little bit of projection on Willow's part at that moment, because again, we don't get a lot of that from the show. Like we've already had that conversation episodes ago and we've seen nothing to indicate anything else since then. So this is just kind of out of left field. So this is either something we have to believe that they've been constantly talking about, or it's something, a deep rooted insecurity that she's bringing up now because she thinks that that's what this is about, but it's really about you being a frightening witch that's going to try to destroy the world, which Giles also said when he was in the magic box. I don't know if you caught that, but he's like, you know, not only the fight is over, you know, over, I just found her. But then he's like, well, now you guys uh, don't have to get upset or whatever and destroy the world. He says something akin oh, to Oh, yeah. That. He said the world won't, or you'll realize the world won't end or something like that. Yeah. No, yeah. He won't said that you guys can that. fight and you'll realize the world won't end. Yeah. yeah. Won't end. Yeah. Or something. I'm just like, oh my God, you know, and that's great. That's great. I mean, I don't think that they specifically planned that one, but 
you know, all Sad this, all this foreshadowing. Oh, yeah. The plot in the world actually ends because Tara gets her brain sucked out. I know. Yeah, so this, this episode is such like a big hindsight one that I didn't yeah. realize was going to uh-huh. happen. I was like, God, this is like a train, man. This is like so much it shit is. going on. Uh, yeah, the the it Willow is. insecurity part, like about her feeling, not not like the even the magic or the sexuality stuff. She, the nobody's listening to me because I don't have a valid opinion. Like they really does get played off and and wrapped up at the end, kind of right. Like Buffy thinks that she can't possibly understand because her mom hasn't died, and she also thinks that Willow can't possibly understand having to take care of someone else, right? Like that's the other side of it. Is like with Dawn too. Like you don't know what it's like to take care of Dawn. You don't know what it's like to have your mom dead, and t- poor Willow's just like, ah, I'm having such a shitty day. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> but it's not as shitty as theirs, so I can't even complain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I think I I finished watching. Watching this episode literally five minutes before we started recording, but you're absolutely right. I mean, that ending is the thematic thing I just talked about. Mm -hmm. So yes, uh, that's absolutely right. Oh, that makes me like that a little bit better. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's why that's what you do the pointed, like, uh, I know what it's like. And she touches Don's face and when she touches Tara's face and it's like, oh yeah, you get it now. You get it now because you have trauma. So are your girlfriends fucked up forever? Oh God. Anyway. Luckily Um, it's just like two episodes. Um, Yeah, I know. But, but we don't know that yet. Anyway. Uh, so Tara didn't realize her crucial mistake was not only accidentally saying the frightened thing, but she also said the other thing that Willow jumped on. And fairly, I think she said, I don't know where I'm going to fit into your life when, not if, but she said when, assuming she was going to yeah, say, when you did. leave me for some dude was the end of right. that sentence she didn't say. Mm-hmm. And like, I was like, oh, girl, you just, you just fucked yourself. You said when, you should have said if. I know. And, and it's sad. And it's sad. And she really is just afraid of being abandoned. Do you think Willow was fair to just storm the fuck out? Just leave? Walk away? Should she have stayed? I mean, that's a pretty unfair accusation. No, yeah, totally. Yeah, like, it's not, I completely understand Tara's position in this situation. I've had this fight before. It's not fun or fair. She, it was not cool for her to say that. I've been that person. It was not cool for me to say that. But, uh... I get it. I get why she did it. Anyway. You got to cool off, too. You got to cool off. I mean, people leave for all types of reasons. Like, I mean, I think at that point with your first big fight, I'm sure, you know, you know enough at that point where you got to let cooler heads prevail. So, you know, clearly Willow was coming around. She was already like going to be like, oh, man, I mean, I fucked up. This is bad. This is stupid. I already miss her. I'm going to go see her. Like, I mean, if things didn't happen like that, I feel like she would have gone back and everything would have been fine. They would have made up and been all good um, because she had the time to cool down. As well. Yeah, I don't know that the conversation would have become more productive if she would have stayed around, right? Like mm. there was no, 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 no good no, was going to no. come from that. So it had to. It had to end. Although no, and Tara's also the type of person who's like, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Like yeah. again, because Tara's not going to try to force any other issue or what it's really about. Then you're kind of once again awkwardly in the hands of like the Willow that we see later, who becomes a gaslighter. Yes, so I don't. I already don't. That's I'm already scared by that. So the fact that she left, I was like, oh, thank God, we can't. To destroy Tara in a different way oh, because Tara just is just destruction all around. Yeah. It's sad. It's just sad. I mean, if she would have stayed, maybe Tara would have got her brain, wouldn't have gotten her brain sucked. That's all I got to say about that. But there's no way that she, that's true. It still would have happened. Yeah. It would have happened somewhere sometime. Because God, we need a punching bag and shit. If it isn't Tara McClay, poor girl. Um, we also had this set with the cultural affair. So we had to, we really had to do it. I just, here. It had to happen. I just here. don't even, I don't know. It was, yeah, I don't. I don't want to. I can't. I don't feel real multicultural right now. Obviously, Tara and Willow are gonna break up in tabula rasa. It's all about tabula rasa. Is all I'm saying. 
Also, I'm saying we're a real podcast, and you can find us everywhere, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. We have a website, bbpod.wordpress.com. It has show notes. It has show notes and rankings and also show notes. And if you like music, maybe not the music by Thomas Wanker. I'm looking at you for ruining this episode. It wasn't just him. Uh, you can go to Spotify and find a playlist that's called Beat Me Hyphen Funtime Playlist for podcast fans. It's season five. That will include all music that we play here on this podcast as well as all music that is available on Spotify that is played during season five of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, moving on. It's time to yell. Uh, do you guys remember that Buffy uh, is in college and goes to school? Because I genuinely forgot all about that. And that was an incredibly awkward I don't know, we open on two random people, and then we uh, hang out with this professor for a, a really long amount of time. It was really surreal. I don't know. It felt weird. Yeah. It felt like a, a weird episode of Buffy that never got as weird as it was in the first five minutes, and then we just kind of dropped it. It was like Rebecca Rand Kirscher. She's like, okay, last time I did an episode, she was in school. You guys still do the college thing, right? And people were like, oh, we forgot to tell her. <laughs> yeah, that's no. not in the show anymore. Whoops. Okay. All right. Well, I guess I'll have her drop out, and they need to sign stuff. Right, yeah. yeah. Whatever. Who cares? We got it. This is season's <laughs> almost over. Sarah Michelle Gellar's totally out of gas. Let's just go. Let's get to go. I know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I think. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I the I think possibly the funniest moment in this episode is when Willow is sadly saying, "I don't know if I can sleep without Tara," and Anya oh. pipes up, "You can sleep with me." <laughs> That came out a lot more lesbian than it sounded in my it head. It was, like, cute and funny. Like, it was so cute that Anya was like, I I could, like, let me help you. Yeah. <laughs> kind of moment. Very sweet. Very genuine, like, sweet moment. Yeah, very, like, friendly. And you don't usually get that from Anya, so I really like that. But then also just truly hilarious. And not for the first time and not for the last. Thank God for Anya because she's, like, the only levity in this episode. God yeah. damn. I mean, she, you know, has the same function as Cordelia, so... Where she just, like, doesn't have a filter. She says whatever is in her head. So it's cute for her to immediately be like, I want to do something to help my friend. So I don't know. Yeah. That was adorable. Yeah. Ben the intern is only in this episode for a very brief moment, but long enough to really irritate the fuck out of me. Okay. You have a hell god who takes over your body at random. I, this happens to me, and I'm trying to actually live any kind of real life. I am checking the calendar. I am checking the date. I know exactly how long I've been gone, when I've been gone, where I was, where my shit is. How do you not know that you've been gone for two weeks? you got to have this asshole yelling in your face before you're like, oh, God, it's been two weeks. Beef number two. Glory, just last episode, said he's getting stronger. I can feel it. Time has happened, blah, blah, blah. She had his body for two whole weeks, two whole weeks, two weeks in a row. And not only that, but then ten seconds later, gets it back. Doesn't seem like he's getting any stronger to me. In fact, I would say the opposite. I'm Ben. I'm Ben. I'm Ben. I just, all right. Anyway, Daniel. Uh, I just want to shout out uh, all of the new, the slew of characters, brand new characters who we got. <laughs> Not only did we get the fucking, these two, we start with two students that we've never seen before and we linger on them for way too long to remind everybody we're in school. Then we get the poetry teacher uh, who doesn't get a name. Maybe they said the name. No, he it. has like a, like a lady's name for a last name. It's like Dr. Mm. Professor Lauren or something like that. Okay, okay. Uh, and then we get the boss, Dr. McCarthy. Uh, or Classic. Ben's boss, the doctor. Yep, yep. Yes. Uh, and then we get fucking Principal Stevens, yep. new person. Sure, sure. We get a shout out uh, to the evil bitch monster of death herself. We sure uh, do. Matthew Walsh. Walsh. Yeah, yeah. Which was incredible. And then we get a slew of extras who end up like milling about this incredibly sad scene where two people are like crying over each other. Oh, and it's like, where are all these people walking? What are they doing? 
this is a great like extras episode. I fucking love it. There were so amazing. many of them. So many. Extras. So many. That was part of what took me out of it too with that glory scene. It was like, oh, so strange. The the bench thing. It's like it's it should be scary that you're doing this in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. Nothing about this feels scary. Mm-hmm. This should be incredibly dramatic and fucking tension filled and harrowing. And it's just Amber Benson staring straight ahead, not moving, having no reaction to the bones in her hand that are supposedly breaking, because we can hear the breaking sound, but we sure as fuck don't see anything on her hand, except for some goddamn Kool-Aid after the fact. Special effects, where are you? My guys. Anyway, sorry, Station, you're yelling. <laughs> not me. Mm, I don't have any other yelling. I did a bad job with notes. Oh, I have enough for you. Trust me. Give me one. Just like. Give me one to yell. Oh, I did. <laughs> nice. Give me one to yell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you want to talk about this that the principal said? What did the principal say? <laughs> the principal said to Buffy, your mother was a lovely woman and we'll all miss her very much. What do you want me to say? Lie to me. As Lies. if Grace had ever once gone to that school. As if she had baked for a um, uh, Never. baking. Never. Do a bake sale? Bake sale. Baking. PTA meeting? A baking conference. Joy Summers not in attendance yet again. No. Goddamn. Terrible. She showed up that one time to like, remember she came to like the lunchroom and she was like, I know who you are. You're a witch. And. People say that that's cool, but that's not cool. Remember yeah. that? I'm <laughs> Yeah. A nice acronym, Mom. Yeah. Oh, oh, what about when she went to the parent-teacher conference and then Spike attacked them and then the principal oh, yeah. told them they were just all Gasly. hyped up on LSD or something? <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't talk about that. Yes. <laughs> uh, so there's a couple, again, with the strange technical aspects of this episode, when we have Giles giving his speech about why he can't be a father, he just is poking the heavy bag. He just starts the scene by, I'm just poking this heavy bag for no reason. And then when we have the outlawing of human triangles, everyone gets up and just walks away silently. Everyone yeah. silently gets up and walks away, including Giles from off screen, just walks away. <laughs> and it's just Willow and Don talking about he's so bizarre. Oh, man, this episode has a lot it's of issues. So strange, so strange. Um, I love, again, Anya was great in this. I've recently come to realize there's more to me than just being human. I'm also an American. Yes, I suppose you are. I'm only speaking of you were born here, your mortal self. Well, that's right, foreigner. A watch customer never buys. They would if they were patriotic. So I've been reading a lot about the good old Asve, embracing the extraordinarily precious ideology that's helped to shape and define it. Democracy? Capitalism. Oh, and you know what else is un-American? French people. You don't say. From what I hear, they don't tip. A French old people, that's really the bottom of the barrel, you know? On, how's about we try being a bit less prejudiced and a bit more inclusive? Not us, just you. I don't feel real multicultural oh, right wow. now. Wow, what are we doing here? So amazing stuff. I would, I would really shudder to think of like who she would be in today's world if she survived, because... Who knows oh, yeah. where the xenophobia goes to, you know? True. This could get really dark with her. So, And she is a demon, so I guess she can do, say whatever she wants. But And I guess you should check great. yourself if Xander's like, maybe you should be a little less judgmental. Yes. A little more inclusive. Yes. Not us, just you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, like when, when Willow is like, I, I don't feel very multicultural now. That's very funny. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> <good>. <laughs> what a weird episode. 
Yeah, I like there's so many great <laughs> lines and then such strange other stuff. Like even the the Maggie Walsh thing where she's like, yeah. I took Psycho 101. I took it from a uh, uh, evil what scientist Government scientist yeah, yeah. that was later yep. skewered by her Frankenstein like creation <laughs> creation. But I know what a Freudian slip is. It's like what the fuck. It's so good. It's a great line of dialogue. Uh, in Lesbo Street Cred. Um, Lesbo Street Cred, don't forget. Yeah. Okay. Back to Boys Town. Back to Boys Town. So the Minions think it's Tara, right? We open uh. like with them all talking to Glory, and she's like, so that's who it is. We're misleading to think that she knows it's Don, but she doesn't really know it's Don, it's Tara. After that, we get the Minions going to Buffy's house and eavesdropping on Buffy and Don's conversation about, they'll take you away, in which Don says she's the fucking key. Not only can the minions not wow. hear them, so why are they there in the first place? But why are they there in the first place if they're supposed to be going after Tara? So I just, I don't, I don't understand that scene. Maybe they're looking for Tara in all the wrong places. I mean, that was the only thing that I could think of is that they are looking for Tara. They're incredibly inept. So, so no, they sent like a team to Buffy's house because sometimes she goes there. They sent a team to the magic box, which they did. They sent somebody there. So that must be what that is. But goddamn, they were like, we're yelling about you being the key. And they're like, I don't, I got nothing, I got nothing, Drag, I got, I got nothing. <laughs> I just want to shout out my my boys on the police bikes at the multicultural fest. Uh, Sunnydale police definitely in full force out here. Um, it's just good to see. It's good to see the boys in blue, you know, taking it seriously <laughs> in this town of safe. monsters. Yes, and I just love that it's like the police won't help you, and it's like, yeah, no, they probably won't help you, but like, <laughs> definitely won't. But like, what is this? What's what are we doing here? I I, I hate it. Yeah, the multicultural fair. I don't really understand what cultures we're celebrating that have cheerleaders. Is there a strong? Is it us? <laughs> is it America? Are we the well? I mean, red, white, and blue. Unless he, unless France, you know, I don't uh, know. France or the UK. A lot, of, a lot of They didn't specify what kind of culture. It's true. Could it be Greek culture. Greek culture. Yeah. Who knows? It could it could be anything. Uh, can we talk about the spit take that Willow throws on Glory? Oh, nice. Yeah, it's full of glob. spits. Yeah. Yep. Oh, God. So much I wanted spit. to take a photo of it, and I was like, this is too disturbing for me to put <laughs> onto my computer. So I declined to take a photo of it because gro- it was gross. Yeah, it's gross. But what another is it? baller Ooh. Willow thing, like, new fucking character alert. I know we've been building on her for a long time, like, changing, right? I kept trying to cast my mind back to our earlier seasons. And just, like, how different she is. Like, she is way more confident. She is just, like... Mm. And, it, and a lot of that happened in season four, too, right? I was just like, why was there such a huge shift? I could... Thinking about her being in bed with Oz is, like, the last sweet little moment that we had where, you know, she's, like, having the dream where she's not... Like, she's talking in her sleep and mm. Oz is like, what's going on yeah. in there? Like, Willow, wake up, come back to me. And it's just like, that person is dead. Mm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she's gone, man. And I'm like, where... What happened... And I think that season four, again, really took a toll on her. I think having to be alone because Buffy bounced. She was in Riley Land the whole season. Yeah. And, and Xander's off being a townie. And Willow's like, uh, I guess I'll just be on my own. And I, you do have to toughen up a little bit, I guess, right? And I just, I don't know. New character. And she's a badass. And I yeah. just like, oh, she's scary. I wasn't she's kind of a badass. Yeah. Honestly, a little underwhelming. Well, I, I like really. I like that they chose the the light or the eyes and all of that. Like they keep they, you know, whatever they chose here, they try to stick with at least a little bit when they do Evil Willow. So it's cool to see, yeah. even the eyes mm-hmm. is like constant. So that's cool. That's how you know she's bad. That's how you know she's evil. Um, another bad technical thing that happens in this episode. 
<sighs> when we have the minion tied up in the magic box, and Giles is doing his cool ripper shit, there is a, I don't know, I think a second is being a little too generous with the amount of time that it takes for Willow and uh, you know, to turn their back. We hear mm. a very loud popping crack sound. We cut back to the minion who is not moved, uninjured, un- nope. not shaken, not rattled, not anything. Where is the special effects team? What could? Why couldn't we just at least ruffle the man's hair? Like, what is going on? Why are? <laughs> why did we do this? I he know his foot. hair be ruffled. You think he just stepped on his foot? <laughs> react! Yeah. React! React! It's almost like, don't you think if you were sitting on He's a park tied. bench and someone Not was yet. breaking the bones out of your hand that you would have some kind of reaction? Don't you think if somebody did something to your body that made it make that sound, you would have some kind of reaction? No. None. Zero. No, Tara just, didn't have one. The minion didn't have one. This place is a land of numbness, man. People don't so feel weird. things here. All the milling about of the people, they don't care. They don't give a shit. No so one in this weird. place cares. Last one I got is uh, salami and peanut butter. What the fuck are the monks thinking? I mean, is this again? You the monks doing this to someone is pretty fucked up. The only thing I can think <laughs> is that this is a a continuation of that joke about um, that our dude and uh, I lied to me uh, with the Oreos and whatever it was, the gross snack apple that Buffy juice. used to eat. I'd suggest a box of Oreos dunked in apple juice, but maybe she's over that phase. That's my drink. But I can only think that, okay, gross food runs in the family because they're sisters. I don't know. Otherwise, I want to be like, how do the monks know that to make that a funny joke? Because they they made this up. I, I just want to say the monks made this up. <laughs> and it's horrible. Why why do this to somebody? That sounds like a gross thing. I think snack. it sounds kind of good. Do you? I just, yeah. That sounds horrible. I eat it. Well, Meat and peanut butter? No. Yeah. yeah. Actually, no. yeah. No, I think I it would be good. It. Are you kidding no, me? There's a ton of variations. Peanut butter could be sweet or savory. Ever had like mm. chicken satay with peanut dipping sauce? What about that I whole? I don't think that's what's happening with peanut here. Peanut butter and egg on it. Yeah, the peanut butter pickle bacon from Killer Burger, man. I see yeah. that all this, the time. This, this is just jiffy. This is just that. That ain't that. This is just regular peanut butter, like yeah. from the store. I'd eat it. No, no, I wouldn't do it. Everybody else was grossed out, and I feel I feel vindicated being grossed out too. So she had to explain herself. Most people don't have to explain their choices, but Dawn had to because the monks made her. I'm just I'm very happy that you will always bring back to what's wrong with the monks for doing these terrible things to our only friends. three more episodes, I think, right? Oh, or yeah. I guess forever. Who knows? Forever. It is yeah, their fault. Yeah, it's true. Um, I just sad. This episode sad. Uh, it's really yeah. sad when the doctor like. And good for them. Again, I'm just like, Rebecca Rand Kirshner, maybe specifically, but just like, you're doing a good job writing gay characters. I'm proud of you, little show. But the little line from the doctor being like, is she your sister? Is just like, ugh. Yeah. No. No. She's my But Willow, well, yeah, Willow following up with that is like, okay, that's sad, cheesy sad, but still sad. But also doesn't answer his question. So it doesn't. He's like, if you could just like maybe right. elaborate, I, I kind of need to know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Someone has to be responsible for her. So like, okay, cool. Are you, sir, the old man here? Are you the the father? Who are you? Yeah. Oh, and then a more sad Willow and Tara shit at the very end when uh, Tara kind of looks at Willow and like even though she's not there, she like knows Willow is Willow, and I'm just like, <laughs> oh, miraculous love. Okay. I know. Uh, that's sad. <laughs> Uh, do you have a, do you have watches now? I do have a, a quick little disclaimer about the watches. Oh, wow. is it okay. is it not now uncouth to say Tara's on the pod again? Because like, I know. 
I mean, I thought that too. I thought that too. I mean, you might just have to do a Willows on the pot again until Tara's got her brain. Until back. Tara. Okay. Well, we'll we'll discuss uh, that here. Uh, okay. Uh, Xander outfit construction watch, whatever the thing is called. No. Xander Harris is not on the show anymore. I don't know who that guy he's, is. He's just not here. Maroon jacket watch. I didn't see it unless I missed it because I was watching it quickly. No. Dawn's piercing screams. That's a no for her. Chips Ahoy. We didn't even talk about Spike, but um, oh, yeah. no, nothing about, uh, although I like that scene a lot where he's like, yeah, I would good. do it. I would go. Fantastic shit. But no, um, nothing nothing blatant. Buffy has a personality. I want to say yes, she clearly likes task boards where you can check off stuff. So she definitely is a to-do list person. So we learned that about her. And we poetry, that. supposedly. She's da- taking the Haikus. Class. She wants to read some haikus. Yes, of course. Uh, da Hoffman Watch, no, because that'll never happen. And of course, Tara... <laughs> And Willow are on the pot again, so yeah, we want to we want to cool our jets a little bit here. But I uh, think you're right. I think she got like blazed. She's like, I'm gonna get so baked and go to the fair, and it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> totally <laughs> terrible totally. time. Terrible time. Well, I mean, just I the tell me tell me if I said something wrong because I'll say it again, right? I mean, the classic Probably like, oh often my god, in public. Totally. Well, that reminds me of when it's like, uh, you know, t- saying, you know, Xander and Anya are fighting or whatever. It's like, no, it's like, no, I said that wrong. Uh, Xander and Anya are fighting. Oh, God, I said the same thing. That's what I meant. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and then she says, I'm the big knowledge woman, which amazing stuff right there. Um, uh, Tara's. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm saying everything wrong right in the conversation with Willow. Uh, and then I can't see anything other than her taking an edible and going out and sitting on that park bench at that multicultural fair with that dragon coming towards her, she was probably <laughs> fucking vibing at that point. But, but, but we don't have to say much more because the vibe is destroyed by, yeah, yeah. by Glory. Uh, Glory, which was tough. Yeah. Imagine what you'd feel with my fingers wiggling in your brain. Uh, what's Willow gonna do? Probably get very, very, very high. So at some point. <laughs> but probably off camera. Uh, and then Michael Amy Wicked Gothwatch. I mean, not nobody else really did magic, but I do yeah. want to shout out. Obviously, you have your magic category with her, so I'll just say yes because I you love it. You love to see these fucking knives being thrown out of nowhere. I mean, what was that? Amazing stuff. Books a million. Yes, we have Willow. Uh, has all the books. Uh, Dark, Darkest Magic with a K. Obviously. All Our Yesterdays and The Disenchanted were the ones that are upside down that you can huh. see as well. And uh, Streets Ahead, no, but we did go to um, the park, right? Yeah, I wherever that, that park. is. Yeah. So the park, I think, is a new locale. Um, we we fought Glory in the apartment. I, I'm just thinking of this now. We fought Glory in the apartment before, but how did Buffy know where her fucking flat was? How did she know to show up at her apartment mm. itself? I just thought. How did Willow that. know for that matter? Yeah. How did Willow know? How did we anybody know? Uh, Giles' biggest KO. Yes, he got robbed again by Willow. So he really <laughs> isn't doing great at his job. You should which find leads your locks, Rupert. Leave. I know. Robbed come a on. lot. Robbed a lot. So, so those are your watches. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, you yelled during the episode that it is totally true when, you know, Spike's having the great conversation with the, the Dawn scene. But then when Buffy comes in and is like, I calmed her down. And then she, Dawn's like, think, Buffy, if Gloria had done this to me. And Stacia's like, Willow, oh, oh, my God, already said that to you. What if it was Dawn? And like, yeah, come on. Tough, come on. Tough. I, I just Not love great. Spike just immediately this cutting her down. This was a bad episode, you guys. Yeah, it is. It really this was. was. a really bad episode. <laughs> it really was. I just had to say it all up top, man. 
objectively, Ooh. if you just say the Fucking beats of terrible. this episode, this should be a great episode. If you don't yeah. actually have the context of all the bullshit that went wrong, this should be a great episode. Which is the actual episode. I know, but I live in the potential. <laughs> I live in the world that is the better version of the show, and I just oh, will not be brought down. It's a fucking terrible episode. No! I disagree. I feel vindicated in saying I didn't like it at the beginning. Yeah. Well, we'll never know until we actually rank this sucker, so let's get it done. Willow Hack slash we talk about the net slash something this way, this this way, something Wicca this way comes, something Wicca this way definitely went. And goddamn, she was shooting lightning. I, I just like, I, this scene, especially considering how terrible the other technical effects and everything were in this episode this actually played really well uh with the exception of the maybe the knife or the glass cutting through glory's dress that was a little clunky um oh and oh my god there was a point in this episode where glory was straight up uh power ranger villain where she's like wow i'm buzzed from eating that witch i feel bah, 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 minions <laughs> i was like you could practically see like a puppet coming out of i just that was really bad um anyway willow is scary like, this is the first time I feel like Willow's really been scary. Even when she went to go kill Veruca, I don't know, man. Like, yeah. Oh, this wasn't there yet, yeah. It's just, it just, you know, all I got to say is bag of knives. Like, what a cool line. <laughs> I <laughs> know. People don't often get to say cool-ass shit on this show like that, which is surprising. I mean, Okay, but then she quest, says they're but... terrible. I owe you pain. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> no. dope, too. It's not <laughs> dope. It sounds so nerdy. <laughs> I mean, she mad. Somebody hurt her girlfriend, and she's like, I'm going to go kill this bitch. But he's like, no, but don't. I did a good job. She's definitely not going to. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Anyway, Willow gets a 10 for being scary AF. And <laughs> absolutely a portent of what's to come. Uh, yeah. Giles. Level of Giles. Whew. We get a little bit of Ripper action, but the only cool part was the him hitting off the guy screen. with the door. But, yeah, the off screen, I do not count it. Um, he does comfort Willow in the magic box, which is cute, when he's like, you know, just a quarrel, everything will be fine. But, uh, yeah, him not wanting to be a dad, I don't know. I don't know if I like it still. I gave him a seven. Uh, Monster of the Week, I couldn't figure out one, unless it was the ramshackle multicultural flair, just for existing, because I don't know what the fuck is that. Um, I kind of had to give it to Glory, but I don't really want to do that, so I just gave it a five. Just, let's pretend it didn't happen. Um, Dawn needs an adult. Yes, she does. She's been skipping school for God knows how long, and we, we won't know because no one else around her knows. How? How did you not know she wasn't going? Where has she been going? And why didn't you ask that? You didn't even follow up with, Dawn, if you haven't been in school these last two weeks, where the fuck have you been? Like, you don't, you're not at home. Where are you hanging out, girl? Stealing shit, obviously, but she don't even know that. Dawn needs You're going to get snatched up yourself, and you're the key. We have yeah. To- we talked about this. You wanted to know this. We told you this. We, you have to be protected, Don. Come on. Come on. God. Horrible. Uh, so I overranked the hell out of that. You have to live with it. Yeah, I sure do. I gave it an eight. That's wrong. It should have gone the other way. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Oh, well. This is uh, great. Relationship goodness or badness. Uh so Willow and Tara fight, but then Willow does sign herself up for foreseeably the rest of her life to take care of the person that she loves. So that's pretty fucking serious. Uh, and goes yeah. on a suicide mission to avenge her girlfriend's maligning. Pretty awesome. That's not the right word. Anyway. Yeah, so I would say Willow and Tara, relationship, goodness, or badness, pretty much on the highest it can be, even though it's very sad. Uh, Buffy and Dawn, kind of a roller coaster because, like, obviously she goes crazy dictator, but then brings it back down and 
you know, we just want to keep each other safe. So it's okay. Uh, and then Spike, I think we can say concretely after last week's episode of Spike sacrificing himself, he's back in the fold, man. I mean, Buffy oh, yeah. goes, Don needs to be kept safe. I trust Spike. Whether or not we're on good terms, she trusts him implicitly. So, yeah. The relationship goodness for Bennis gets in eight. In episode specific, the whole Don speech, honestly, we talked about it at the very beginning, yeah. but Michelle Trachtenberg really takes the cake in the, yeah, uh, the line that, that you said, Daniel, maybe I'm not evil, but I don't think that I can be good. It's just like, oof, that's real sad. It's really, yeah. really heavy, man. Poor Don. Poor everybody in this show. This show's sad, guys. This show's sad. It's very sad. 10 out of 10. I overranked the show this episode. I gave it a 48. Number five for the season. Again, Whoa. because I live in a fantasy world where the episode is everything I want it to be, and not a bad episode. What it is, which is, could have been a whole lot better. I'm living for the potential, always wow. and forever. One above checkpoint, one below triangle. Stacia, where did you put it? Who? Um, I ranked it 86 out of 97. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Second that's about right. Of this season. Hmm. Uh, What's the lowest of the season? Into the Woods. Ah, that's my lowest for the season. Yeah, yeah, nice. Into the Woods. Into the Woods. Into the Woods. Oh, no, out of my mind. I don't fucking remember. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so how far below Dark Age is that? That's got to be pretty far. How far? Dark Age? Yeah. Oh, um. You have to recognize that that's the only metric we need. Dark Age is 45. Nice. And this is, again, 86. Perfect <laughs> middle episode. Nice. Love it. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> It's <laughs> terrible. Uh, so many Incredible. things I would change. But we can't go back. About my rankings, too. but we can't go back. I mean, I could have but edited this right now while we're talking. I feel, I feel secure with putting Tough Love as second worst of the season. Yeah. It's really awful. And honestly, the only reason why it's not the worst of the season, because technically it is the worst of the seasoning, season, is because Buffy running after Riley infuriates oh, yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. It's bad. She deserves better. <laughs> she does. I uh, This is my third lowest for the season, so nice. I'm going to rank it 107 out of 137 overall. Uh, it's only out of my mind in listening to Fear that it were 121 and 123 mm. uh, that were worse. Uh, Shadow was 100 and Into the Woods was 92. So technically I have them higher, but... This one just I, – I, I only bring it this low for two reasons. One, I need to pad out the bottom a little bit because I'm afraid of <laughs> what could happen if I don't. Uh, and two is that the potential of this episode was so high and those two contrivances alone, they just didn't live up to the reason why we're doing it. It just wasn't good enough uh, for, for doing another episode we've done before. Um, it just wasn't as good as you have it in your head, Kelly. You're right. It should have been a, just a, a, it should have been a slam dunk episode. Yeah. And it just really, it just wasn't. And, and I've again, this is a long episode, and we had a great time making fun of it, which means it was not that great of an episode. So, <laughs> yeah. So that one one oh seven. Yeah. On that uh, potential note, uh, watching this again, like just all the what's to come in the immediate. We have three more episodes left, and they're so close to being the end that. The outfit Buffy is wearing is the outfit they put on the Buffy bot. The outfit that Willow is wearing is the same one she'll be wearing, like, basically oh. at the end. It's like, this is all happening now. The next three episodes take 
place over the 48 hours, I think. It's all like Whoa. over. It's so cr- We start the next episode with Buffy picking, I mean, it's hilarious, picking Dawn up and running with her to get away from Glory. Like, <laughs> yes. And then Glory gets hit by a semi truck. Spoiler Regina George style. Oh, so, my yeah, God. it's like, it's all, this Wait, is it. What? This is basically that scene in the dorm room is the beginning of the entire rest of the series. Like, that. that's it. Uh, so we just keep going Fucking from there. Awesome. It's uh, that's cool, and and I'm really excited to watch it. I hope it it <laughs> I hope it doesn't end up being <laughs> this thing that I misremember because I'm constantly want to do that apparently. But I mean, I know weight of the world is good. I know it is. It has to be. I, like it just has to be because it's like so it's cool and cerebral. Good. It's, it's gonna, gonna be good. So we'll see. But uh, anything else to say about this episode? Tough luck. Stay here. No, Daniel. If it's not good, Kelly, you could just live in the fantasy. Uh, oh, forever. I will. I think so we both totally know that I will. okay. Yes, good. Uh, okay, next episode's gonna be Spiral. Can't wait to watch it. As I said, semi truck. Look out for that in the first five minutes. Until then, Stacia, say goodbye. Is it easy to miss? I mean, not if you're glory. Uh, Daniel, say goodbye. <laughs> I have two. I started out this episode with a very bad one, but I'm just going to read the two that I wrote down. One, it frightens me how podcast you're getting. Not very good. Number two, what's that? A bag of tri- tricks? A bag of podcasts. Not great. I don't, they're both bad. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you, but not see you. Talk to you next time. Okay, bye. Wait is on you. Wait is on me. Over? How can it be over? I, I just found her. I don't feel real multicultural right now.